Welcome back to an all new, all different episode of Aim for the Bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as J-Pav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And today we're talking about the Cybertruck and why I think it's stupid. Before we get into today's topic, first our non-legal legal disclaimer, which is simply that the opinions expressed by me or others on the show are simply that, just our opinions. We're not saying that we have the ultimate truth. You can agree with us. You can disagree with us. We're not saying that our viewpoints or our opinions are the only correct viewpoints or opinions. So with that out of the way, the Cybertruck, I don't know if uh, any of you out there listening are fans of cars at all. If you're maybe you're a fan of Tesla, maybe you're a fan of Elon Musk. I don't know. If you are, then uh, perhaps you may not like this episode. If you're not, but you're curious for more, keep listening. So uh, Elon Musk is a, a popular figure, I guess you could say, in the, in the, in the news media entertainment industry. Uh, he's someone that has uh, risen to prominence for, I guess, being kind of an eccentric figure. Definitely has a cult of personality, which we'll touch on. A little bit and usually you get his defenders in and comment sections for anything that is critical of him or of Tesla. We've talked about uh, Elon Musk before on this podcast on our episode about the boring company, which we'll give a little bit of an update on here in, uh, in just a second. But if you haven't listened to that episode, basically we kind of discuss the boring company, which is, I guess, a pun because it sounds like boring, but also boring is like to dig holes because uh, Elon Musk bought uh, one of those whole tunnel digging machines and decide to make a company out of it that uh, would dig tunnels apparently as a test run for potentially digging outside of the earth or digging on Mars potentially. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, you know, go you can go back and, and, and listen to it. It's one of our earlier uh, episodes, so you, you'll have to go back a couple of uh, pages or whatever to find it or scroll further down to find it if you want to go and listen about uh, The Boring Company. But basically, its whole shtick was that, well, traffic on, on surface level sucks. So a way to get around traffic is to have a whole system of tunnels that'll allow you to whip around town and get out of uh, waiting in traffic, which on the surface sounds like a good idea, but practically it's not. It's just not a good idea. So when I mentioned it in that episode, a prototype tunnel had been built to just kind of like show off what it would look like. And of course, it looked nothing like the rendering or like the, the, the concept art. Or the concept, and there was like a concept video that was supposed to dis, the display how, how it would look and how it would work. And it was nothing like that. It was basically a Tesla driving through a very narrow tunnel. And they just finished uh, one of these, I think they call them Hyperloops, in Las Vegas. So it's supposed to take you around the Las Vegas Convention Center. And honestly, it looks really, really dumb and really, really boring. And it looks very claustrophobic. So it's a really narrow tunnel. And it's basically you just driving through a very narrow tunnel. And for Las Vegas, it takes you to like one of two stops. So you either go left or right. 
and and that's basically how it works. So it's it's not really anything revolutionary. People who are like Tesla slash Elon Musk fanboys like love it, and I don't get it because how is this better than a mode of public transportation that could probably take tens of thousands of people in a given time frame, whatever that is, compared to Tesla's going around these tunnels individually because it speaks nothing of like actually boarding and getting on and like having to wait. Um, like it, to me, it doesn't seem very practical. So that's like the small update there about the boring company. And I guess the other thing that people praise it on was the cost. That's one thing the boring company itself uh, wanted to highlight. And that's something that, you know, people who are like fanboys wanted to say like, oh yeah, this costs way less. So cities will save so much money building these tunnels. But the reason why tunnels cost so much is because a whole bunch of stuff has to go into tunnels, like safety stuff, uh, ventilation, a whole bunch of other things have to go into to laying down a tunnel. It's not simple. It's not as simple as just digging it. More more goes goes into it, and that's a lot of where the cost comes in. Whereas this this uh, looking at the footage, it looks like if there's an accident, uh, I I don't really know what you can do. I don't know how you're going to be able to get out because from what I can tell and everything that I've read about it, there's no exit. There's no exit <laughs> outside of going uh, through the other end of the tunnel. That's it. So to me, this isn't conducive. And we'll talk a little bit later on about uh, the real reason behind like this, this kind of thing and uh, the cyber truck, which we'll get into uh, in a second. Uh, before, before we do, I guess, um, this, this episode is partially inspired by, I mean, me just not liking the Cybertruck, which I'll get into in a second, but also I've come across a couple of other videos that I will link in the show notes that kind of, uh, I guess to use a Wizard of Oz analogy, pull back the curtain a little bit on Elon Musk and kind of like how his, uh, perception by the general public doesn't really line up with, I guess, the actions that he takes through his companies, such as the boring company, such as SpaceX, such as uh, Tesla. So if you're someone who is an Elon Musk fanboy and you've bought into it, you know, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, this all looks good. You know, this looks like someone who is a revolutionary, someone who is getting things done, who's trying to save humanity, because uh, that's one of the main things about Tesla, that's one of the that, that part of their marketing, right, is that they're environmentally friendly because they're electric cars, right? They're electric cars that look good and I guess go fast. I think that's like part of the appeal of Tesla. And I and I think most of the Tesla cars like the Model S, the Model 3 and the Model X uh, look good. Like I, I have no complaints with them. But the Cybertruck, that's where things change. That that thing is hideous. And if you like it. I don't know what to say for you. I, I'm going to pray for your soul. So if you have not seen the Cybertruck, uh, I would encourage you to go look it up. Uh, go look at the, uh, the demonstration that they did at some Tesla event where they unveiled it. It's just really ugly, really ugly, boxy design. Now, I don't want to think I don't like boxy designs in general because I don't mind boxy designs. Like there's a lot of cars like from the 80s when um, things transitioned to more square, more boxy 
look. And those cars are fine. Like I like a lot of the cars from the 80s. I know some people don't because when you come from the 60s and 70s, cars were very curvaceous, very rounded. And then so in the 80s, things started to kind of go against that, I guess, because eventually someone's going to design something that kind of goes against the grain. So you stand out compared to to other automobiles, to other designs. So that's fine. The boxiness uh, doesn't bother me. I saw someone compare the this is someone who liked the Cybertruck and I saw them compare it to like the DeLorean. They're saying that it's 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 uh, continuing the spirit of the DeLorean. Now, let me say. I like the look of the DeLorean. This does not look like a DeLorean. To me, it's an insult to the DeLorean to say that it's carrying its spirit because, no, this in no way carries the same spirit as a DeLorean. And we'll get into its uh, the problems I have with its design specifically because, obviously, you can just say, oh, well, you just think it's ugly. And that is true. I do think it's ugly, but it's not the only reason I don't like it. So part of why I don't like it is the vision of the future that it suggests. So one of the videos that I came across that kind of looked at someone like Elon Musk's, you know, vision for the future, because that's like I said, that that's one of the things that people rave about him for, right? Because he's trying to make things better for humanity, right? We're trying to create a car that's going to be affordable and it's going to be environmentally friendly. It's going to be electric. That's apparently one of the stated goals of Tesla, as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong about this, but that is my understanding. And the Cybertruck, much like a lot of the projects that uh, Musk's company uh, takes on, doesn't really communicate that end. The Cybertruck looks like it's, it's, it's a vehicle made for some kind of dystopian future. And I'm not just saying that based on its aggressive look, it's also part of its features. So it has bulletproof glass. Now, if you watch the demonstration or if you've seen the demonstration already, you will know that when they wanted to highlight uh, its bulletproof glass, they uh, threw, I guess, like a metal ball of some kind at the, at the glass panels and they broke. Right. They didn't shatter completely, but it definitely cracked the glass. <laughs> and it was funny, obviously, because here you're saying that we have this uh, bulletproof glass and yeah, it breaks in the demonstration. Obviously, that's never a good look. But what kind of car or truck, if you want to call it a truck, like what kind of car needs bulletproof glass? Like it seems this vision of the future is something that like, you know, you need to keep people away from you, right? I don't like others. I'm scared of others. This is like some kind of Mad Max future where anyone you come across in a car, they're going to attack you and you have to be ready to defend yourself from it. So not only does it have the bulletproof glass, apparently this steel sheet metal is bullet, not proof, but resistant, apparently. So again, who's shooting at your car in this, in this imagined future? where you know you need bullet a car that's bulletproof like now if you're someone who is like the leader of a country or someone really controversial maybe you need you know a car that that has those features i get that fine whatever but something that's like for the everyday consumer i don't get it I don't get it. So the design, like I said, it, it invites a future that is not friendly. It invites a dystopian future. And that's what it looks like. It looks like 
the type of car I would imagine in some kind of dystopian future, like this would be the concept art. It's like, oh, what are we going to do for the vehicles? And then the type of the design that the Cybertruck has, that's what I would see. Or, I mean, if I was presented with that, I'd be like, yeah, that looks about right. That, I, I, I like the look in this, uh, in this scenario here. But outside of that, so in the real world, no, it's ugly and it doesn't look like it's going to be useful for anything. Now, you could say, oh, well, you just don't like controversial designs or whatever. And it's like, no, I, I don't mind radical designs. I don't mind things that are out there. Like, I remember when BMW first unveiled their 7 Series in, like, 1999, when they did the radical, radical redesign that influenced, like, the next generation of BMW cars that you still kind of see today through that, like, evolution. But uh, coming out of the 90s, when that new 7 Series hit, I remember that was controversial. A lot of people did not like the aggressive, out-there design of the 7 Series, and then eventually the 5, and then eventually the 3. And now, of course, BMW has like a million <laughs> different product lines, but that's another topic for another day. So it's not that. It's, it's more based on, on, on what it assumes the future will be like as to why I don't like it. And it's part, it speaks to a larger, I guess, ethos or philosophy Elon Musk seems to have, which does not mesh with his public perception. Because like, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, a lot of people view him as like some kind of visionary, some kind of genius, a kind of like Iron Man slash Tony Stark. And I say that specifically because in Iron Man 2, there's a short cameo of Elon Musk, where Tony Stark's like walking through a restaurant and they bump into each other. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'll send you like the, the a design for, you know, this, this thing. I forget what he says, like specifically. And it's like, they are not equivalent. He's not like, and, and I've heard this in news media in general, people uh, like tech media and stuff. When they talk about Musk, he has this image that's what I say is a good cult of personality. He's, he's cultivated this image that he's like some kind of, like I said, visionary, someone like uh, you, who you could think of as Tony Stark slash Iron Man. Of course, the difference here is that someone like Tony Stark, at least portrayed like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or you can go with the comics, whatever. Uh, he's someone who is not real, right? He's not real, and the things that Tony Stark has invented are also not real. Like in the world of the MCU, Tony Stark is or was an arms dealer, right? That's, that's where we're at in the first Iron Man film. He's someone who makes weapons. And then obviously he gets captured. He has a revelation like, okay, we're not going to make weapons anymore because he sees that terrorist group and I don't know, I guess he's in the Middle East somewhere, has his weapons. He's like, oh no, these are being used to, I mean, I don't know what he thought his weapons did beforehand, but whatever. And then he decides, okay, we're not going to do weapons anymore. And then he comes up with the arc reactor, which is some kind of energy source, which, again, something that's not real. So even the good things that he's done for humanity in this fictional world is just that. They're all fictional. They're not real. There's no such thing as an arc reactor. And even in his good intentions, Tony Stark also created a genocidal robot that was going to destroy all of humanity because it deemed all of humanity evil and not worthy of living this is uh the second avengers movie age of ultron right so even when he was trying to be good right something horrible was created and it makes me think of that episode of the simpsons where 
Lisa teaches Mr. Burns about recycling. And Mr. Burns is like, oh, yes, okay. I will recycle. And then he eventually, like, creates a, a, a netting system that basically, like, scrapes the ocean <laughs> of, like, all life and turns it into slurry. And Lisa's like, even when you're trying to be good, you're evil. Now, am I saying that Elon Musk is, is evil? Not necessarily. I'm not saying he's going to create a robot that, or android, whatever you want to call it, that's going to destroy all of mankind. But he's definitely not this, this image that he's portrayed as, which is like some kind of uh, Tony Stark. And part of the reason I say that is because he's not really come up with anything. Like, doesn't really do anything. So at least Tony Stark, uh, in his portrayal in these Marvel films, at least he creates things, even though they're not real, obviously, and probably would not be possible in real life. It's still doing something. And it's fine for someone who manages, like, I have no issue with people who manage other people to create certain products or whatever. That's fine, because that's a skill in and of itself. I have no problem with that on, on the surface. But when your whole image is cultivated from that, this idea that you do things, that you make things, it's like, well, you don't really make things, right? So, like, even with the idea of the electric car, like, uh, other companies have been working on electric cars for a long time. The idea of the electric car itself is nothing new. Has he been better at maybe implementing a, a design and performance? Yeah, I think so. But as someone who is like a newer entrant into the car space, I think it's probably easier than, uh, you know, General Motors or Ford or Toyota or whatever, who's been around for a long time and they don't want to risk doing electric vehicles when they are selling internal combustion engine vehicles. Like, it makes sense why there would be that hesitancy or uh, that lack of wanting to make electric vehicles happen in the same way that they make internal uh, combustion uh, vehicles. Because it's a larger risk and they obviously don't want to take that risk because we have our cash cow, we're selling combustion engines, uh, why are we going to disrupt that for the environment, right? That's not how capitalism works. But someone coming in new as their marketing gimmick, as their positioning, then, then it's open for that. But the, something like the Cybertruck, like I said, is it illustrates kind of in a, in a good manner the disconnect that, that, I'm, that I'm trying to make here between the, the perception and then what we actually can observe from the actions of, like I said, the boring company, for example, of this Cybertruck, right? They speak to futures that like don't really benefit anyone other than maybe people who are super rich. Because going back to like these, these Hyperloop systems, like it, 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 they don't benefit society at large. Because even if you do have this small network of tunnels to apparently get you around town, even if they were built to fruition, like how, how they were envisioned, they're not made for mass transportation. So it's fine, I guess, if privately a company I, I wanted to build these things, but they're obviously selling them to a city. And so if a city is going to make that financial decision, okay, what do we invest in? Do we make these little tunnels or do we actually invest in proper public transportation? And if they go with the tunnels, like the boring company tunnels, that's a disservice to the citizens of that town. A lot of people make the comparison to that Simpson here, another Simpson reference to Marge versus the monorail, 
where Springfield decides to build a monorail. Springfield is a small town that has no use for a monorail. But there was a slick salesman that convinced the, the townsfolk that this would be a good way to invest our money. And it's the same kind of situation here. This would not be a good way to invest your money because it would only benefit those who have the means. So someone who has like their own private vehicle. So whether or not it's like, a because I'm not sure if non-Tesla vehicles can go in this thing. So if it's only Teslas that can go, that can use this facility, this uh, type of infrastructure, that's very, very limiting. So not only do you have to have, to have a car to use this, you need a specific car to use this. So how is this going to help the general population get around? I would much rather a municipality or a city invest that money in some kind of public transportation, whether it's a subway, whether it's some kind of light rail, whether it's busing, whether it's something else. I don't know. But I would rather that so it benefits most people or a lot of people, helps them move around more easily than someone who just doesn't want to sit in traffic. So, oh, well, I can take this tunnel. And then hopefully there's not an accident because I think the, the way it's supposed to work is that it, I think it's the autopilot that works. That's supposed to drive the car. I'm not 100% sure if there's a human driver in there. But I mean, maybe this probably probably be a topic for another day. But yeah, automated driving, that's a thing that's uh, I don't think is ever going to happen. <laughs> and partially because uh, that's not how machines work is. Machines, whether it's a mechanical machine, whether it's uh, software and like sensors or whatever, machines break. And with this auto driving, something somewhere is going to break and it's going to cause a huge freaking accident. But anyways, we'll get into that uh, maybe another day. But in these tunnels, if there is an accident or if there's a fire or there's something, good luck getting out. Because if if there's a line of cars in there, like how many cars go through before you start getting traffic problems in there anyways? But if there's some kind of accident, like I said, there's a fire. Because uh, apparently what I learned this week, too, is that Tesla's catch on fire. <laughs> this has been a, a growing problem. It's not talked about much because it doesn't fit in with this vision that, you know, this is going to save the environment, which is going to be a topic for another day, probably, about how uh, we can't buy our way out of uh, saving the environment in general. But if there's a fire in these tunnels, you have nowhere to go. Like I said, there's no escape. There's no escape. Because uh, tunnels, like, they have to have, like, exits. So if you go in, like, any tunnel, uh, whether it's for a train, whether it's for um, cars, what, whatever it is, cars and trucks, there's escape routes. So if there's some kind of accident, there's a blockage, there's a fire, there's something going on, you can exit the tunnel through one of these, like, escape corridors. And this tunnel doesn't have that. So you're stuck. And it's, it's very narrow. Like, it's barely larger than the width of the car itself. So, like I say, you're you're stuck there if there's ever a problem. But this is the other thing. So, everything that Tesla or slash Elon Musk does, because you know he's got like three or four different companies he's a part of, they're only interested in serving their vision. So I mentioned that for this Hyperloop thing, it would seem that only Tesla Teslas could go in there. So back to electric vehicles, and this isn't particular to the Cybertruck, but it involves the Cybertruck because one of the issues facing the adoption of electric vehicles is that there's nowhere to charge them. So this is something that's being built out uh, in, I guess, many communities, I'm not sure across the globe, but I know in the U.S. and Canada, like here in Quebec, I increasingly see charging stations being built, I think, by the government. 
to encourage people. I mean, well, that and I think there's still a lot of government subsidies if you buy an electric vehicle. But I'm not 100% sure about that because I'm not in the market for buying a car anyways. But they're building out the infrastructure to charge your car. And of course, you can get your home outfitted for that. But like if you go like driving downtown, oh, I need to refuel or I guess charge my car. (laughs) Uh, There are stations now, different parts of the city here in Montreal where there are charging stations. So that's right now a limiting factor for people adopting electric vehicles. It's like, well, where can I go to charge my car if I need to charge my car during the middle of the day and I'm not at home or night or whatever it is. I'm just not at home. Same thing that faced, uh, same thing um, internal combustion vehicles faced when they were uh, in their early stages, in the early 1900s, right? Part of the issue was a refueling station, right? Because obviously you need to put gas in your car to get it to operate. Now cars have been around for a long time. Gas stations are almost on every corner. Okay, not in every corner, but on a lot of corners. It's, you don't generally have to go far. To find, like if you're in a city, maybe if you live out in the country somewhere, you got to drive a while for for uh, for gas. But at least with something that takes gasoline, as as I guess I've seen a lot of a lot this week, because there's that sh- fuel shortage in the in the eastern U.S. from some I don't know what it was it was like some power plant, some fuel storage facility got hacked, <laughs> and so it caused a huge fuel storage. Anyways, I don't know. Go look go look into that if you're not if you're not familiar with that. But anyways. At least with gasoline, you can store it in like a little can or something. So if you run out in the middle of nowhere, okay, at least I I have a little bit I can put into my car if I'm not near a gas station. Whereas for an electrical vehicle, you can't really do that. As far as I'm aware, there's no like little battery that you can take out and plug into your car and that'll give you a boost to, you know, go 100 kilometers or something. So you can find one, find an electrical charging station. So that's one of the issues that prevents people from buying more electric vehicles because if there were to be a mass adoption of electric vehicles that you would probably run into an issue of uh you know not enough charging stations there'd be too many people with cars or electric cars i mean and not enough charging stations so in the u.s i i don't know if they have many in canada because uh like i said i'm not in the market for cars but i know in the u.s tesla has been building out their charging station network. I think they call them superchargers or something, something, something like that. They got some kind of slick name. But this is the thing. This is what I, what I also learned this week that, I, and I'm pretty sure in the US, Tesla has like the largest amount of charging stations built throughout that country, but they only work with Teslas. So if you have an electrical vehicle, an electrical vehicle, if you have an electric vehicle and you want to charge it and the closest one to you is a Tesla one, you can't use it because they have different plugs or however the things plug in to charge your car, right? They don't have the same input. They can't interface with one another. So you would think someone that whose stated mission apparently is to, uh, you know, help the environment or create vehicles that are more environmentally friendly, whatever that means, because I have an issue with that kind of statement as well, which again, topic for another day. Uh, how can how can you say you want to be more environmentally friendly when like people who have electric cars? Yes, they're not your electric car, but imagine this: if gas stations work like that. Oh, I have a Ford, but the gas station down the road from me only sells gas to Chrysler's. Right? That wouldn't make any sense. So, if you wanted a world of openness and inclusiveness, and hey, we actually want to make things better, wouldn't you make it so that any car could uh, 
could charge. So to me, that's like a disconnect there. Like, why would that be the case? Now, of course, you could say, oh, about, you know, money that they are the ones that invested in blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't really care about that. Do you or you do you or do you not want to be more environmentally friendly? So if you do, if that's your stated goal, you would make it so that uh, anyone who has an electrical vehicle can charge an electric vehicle. So not electrical. All vehicles are electrical to some some degree. Right. So that's where the disconnect lies. And it's also illustrated again in the Cybertruck because it, it speaks to a future not of openness, not of inclusiveness, not of I want to better the environment. This the, this vehicle says, oh, yeah, the future is going to be pretty terrible. And I want to make sure I can protect myself from the roving band of hooligans that are going to try to attack me or whatever with all the bulletproof paneling and glass and all that stuff. So it doesn't look like the most useful, even as a truck, because it's called the Cybertruck. It looks like it's supposed to be like some kind of futuristic pickup. But again, it doesn't look very practical in that regard, because now obviously you can argue for cars uh, like much like much like most uh a lot of other items in terms of like their utility versus versus like something similar to luxury or status. This looks more like the latter. It looks more like luxury and status to me because some people buy a car because, yeah, I need it to go from point A to point B, like to take me from home to work, take me to drop off my kids and pick them up and all that stuff. I don't really care as long as it has four wheels and moves forward and presumably backwards as well when I need to reverse. That's all I care about. But of course, you have people who, hey, I, I, I can get a car that takes me A to B, but I want to go in style. I want something that's going to make me look cool. Or I want something that I find thrilling to operate. You know, I want a Porsche where I can put the top down and feel the wind go through my hair. And that's fine, too. Like, I don't really mind the reason why you buy a car. But this particular car, again, because of this perception that Elon Musk slash Tesla and his other companies are supposed to be doing good for humanity, because that's how they position themselves. That's how they're talked about, either through written articles that I've come across or comments on those articles. When I see people defending Tesla and Elon Musk and saying, like, he's doing good for the world. Like, why can't you see that? And just like all these other things outside of that don't line up with that vision that I'm being presented. This is even this is not even talking about treatment of the Tesla workers who build the cars. Look into like the safety regulations of the factories that build cars there. Look at the attempts to block uh, unionization of those of those factories and stuff. Right. If you're secure in how you operated and your stated goals of wanting to better humanity, wanting to better the world, you wouldn't have those issues, right? You wouldn't have high accident rates. You wouldn't have, again, as I mentioned, the Tesla's catching on fire with some of their build build issues. You wouldn't have uh, this push to stop workers from unionizing. There's a reason why people unionize, because companies don't treat people with dignity and respect. That's what it comes down to. Now, this will be a topic that'll probably be for another day, the need like for, for, for unions, although I know there's large anti-union sentiment. But think about this. Sometimes people think, oh, unions are corrupt and greedy. Uh, yeah, that does happen. Just like any organization, they become, can be, become corrupt and greedy. Like unions aren't special in that regard. But the way I think of it is like, look, look at like athletes and look at actors and directors and stuff. These are people who can make millions of dollars. Right. 
So these aren't like, you know, blue collar. Well, usually like factory paying jobs are like uh, pretty high, high paying. But still, you're not you're never going to become uh, like a millionaire working uh, a factory job. But look at industries where people do make millions of dollars, like sports, like acting, like direct. Well, if you're like a big name director, I'm sure you command a pretty high salary. Those all, all like all like sports leagues, the players have unions. Like, why is that? Because they're getting paid millions of dollars, right? But they still need that collective protection against their owners or the people that run the factory, uh, the people who are management, if you want to say, right? They're not necessarily going to break the bank, but they all have unions. They still need protection. And so at something like a Tesla factory, that's no different. They still need protection. This isn't even getting into his predictions on coronavirus. Like roughly a year ago, in April 2020, said trends are that by, by end of April or, or May, cases will be zero. It's like, why would you say that? If you're this genius, revolutionary, visionary, why would you say something so stupid? I mean, just look at what is happening around you in the world and how can you say that? And then we get to SpaceX and it seems to suggest that SpaceX is for people who want to get off the planet. Although I don't think that's ever going to be realistic, but that seems to be their stated goal is to go to Mars. Now, there's one thing to go to Mars. Uh, you know, if, if we could send a thing to Mars, people to Mars would be like, that'd be accomplishment. I don't think those people are going to be able to come back, though. But um, that would be an accomplishment. But I don't think the goal of, I guess, what you call terraforming, so making Mars hospitable to human life, uh, to me, that seems impossible. Just based on the year, because I think a Martian year is like two years Earth time. So I think it's about two years in terms of like going around the sun. Well, the climate itself is like inhospitable. It can go down to 100, sorry, minus 143 degrees Celsius, which is minus 225 degrees Fahrenheit. And if, well, that's at the, at, the, at the polar caps. Okay, yeah. So yeah, so it's about two years uh, for rotational, uh, sorry, not like rotational, but uh, orbiting the sun. So it's about twice, just under twice the, the amount of time to go around the sun. And the days are about the same, but I don't think the amount of sunlight is the same that you get in a day. But the temperatures vary widely because of, the, of its lack of atmosphere. So it can get really hot in the, in the sun. And then at night, it gets really cold. And also there's nothing on Mars, too. There's no vegetation. There's no water. I mean, I know, okay, there's like ice, whatever, but there's a reason why it's all ice because it's way too cold on Mars. So like, I, I don't see it ever happening. So the reason why I bring this up, though, is, again, this vision of want, doing, you know, what's beneficial for humanity coming up against the actual actions that we see take place. The observable actions done by Musk and his different companies don't line up with that vision. So SpaceX seems to be like getting away from all of it seems to be getting away from humanity in general. That's how it all looks. Now, on the surface, no one's going to come out and say, oh, yeah, I want to get away from humanity. But through the actions that they, that they do, that they've taken, would suggest that. And like I said, for the Cybertruck, that's what it looks like. It looks cold. It looks lonely. It looks angry. You know, it, it looks in despair. That's the, the feeling I get 
from the Cybertruck, and then more on this aesthetics. It just looks ugly. Like it's just an ugly car. I I know now. I know some people like things that are ugly. Like I know that's like a thing. Sometimes ugly things have a certain charm to them. I'm trying to think. I don't have like anything off the top of my head where I'm like, oh, that thing's really ugly, but I still kind of dig it. Whether it's like a car, whether it's uh, you know, clothing, some other type of object. Can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I, I, I definitely know that that is, uh, you know, some something that some people like where it's just ugly, but I like it anyways. And I can understand that. But I'm just saying to me, this car, it just has ugly design. And to me, it also highlights the, the like I said, the disconnect between how someone like Tesla and Elon Musk is is portrayed and talked about in the news media, in tech media, and how that does not jive with the actions that are actually taken by Tesla or the Boring Company or like SpaceX. So I think we'll leave it there uh, for this episode. I have been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. So thank you very much for, for listening. We appreciate uh, your continued support. Uh, also, make sure you check out uh, the podcast of fellow uh, podcast people on this show, Dexter and Alex, check out their podcast, October Jones and Fish with Legs, which was nominated for two like Canadian podcasting awards. Well, I think one for like music and then one for like being a, a family friendly podcast. So I guess we can say that they're uh, a nominated <laughs> nominated podcast so make sure you go check them out probably where you found this podcast you can also find my voice in a couple of episodes uh they're only about like 20 minutes long the first season is complete now so you can do the whole series if you like everyone please stay safe get vaccinated peace